Well, my daughter, uh, the youngest one, and I am very much so not upset about this, or I should say very pleased about this. Her new favorite movie is The Fantastic Mr. Fox. And by new, I mean (laughs) since 30 to 45 days ago. So I feel like I have not been counting. Uh, But the people at Disney and Apple have been counting because we both own the film and watch it in Disney. So they must know. So maybe if someone works at uh, both of those places, they could email me to tell me how many times I've watched it. But I feel like we are nearing, if not surpassing, 100 times. I could probably, I don't know if you've watched, um, what is the, um, you two must know, what's the space show on Apple TV for all mankind? Um, For all mankind, yeah. Yeah. Right, and they're on the moon and they're watching that Bob Newhart show over and over again. I feel like I'm almost at that point, except I have the entire Earth to roam, so I'm not going to get space madness. And and so like, (laughs) no spoilers. Spoiler. Uh, so, So like, I've watched it a lot and- I, I've developed this theory in watching it. I could, you know, recite the whole movie for you, more or less, if you wanted to. Uh, but I think that if you watch a movie or a piece of like, mm, is this true? It might be true about songs. I'm not sure about other mediums. Definitely music, maybe books. It's hard to like read a book as much as you would watch a movie or listen to a song. Right. So let me just say music and movies um if you watch it enough it starts to be a metaphor a representation a sort of story about every single thing in life wow and i feel i feel like that's what miss the fantastic mr fox and all sorts of other movies i've seen are it's just like i can kind of think about uh oh sure i can pick out this is about this thing this is about that other thing but I think this is more like a, it's not the movie's intention. It just sort of happens because you're there watching it so much and you read so much into it. So I wanted to ask you two, does this happen to you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm starting to have like flashbacks to some of the things that, you know, it, it used to be like, you know, binge watching before it was binge watching. Cause uh, I guess you didn't have access to, you know, all the seasons of all the shows. So there were probably like one or two episodes that you had maybe on videotape or later on, mm. on TiVo or something. Um, yep. There were definitely some uh, Simpsons episodes that I've probably seen. That might done. be the archetype of this is like, yeah, the Simpsons. yeah, I know all of life. Yes. Uh, yeah, definitely some Simpsons, uh, some Futurama, but uh-huh. in the early days, like when it was videotapes, I, there were movies cause, um, we had a, a family movie collection. We lived on a military base. Everyone on the base kind of shared copies of movies. I guess you know, early days of piracy, thanks to the U.S. Air Force. Yeah, sharing, um, that's sharing, sharing, sharing. It was sharing and caring. And so, like, I've probably seen The Godfather thirty times. Mm. Um, you know, just but it was because we only had like thirty movies, and so pretty much I watched all of our movies all you know repeatedly. Um, I don't know. Uh, what, what, what's the point here? <laughs> well, well, I think it's more like I feel like this it's a comfort work. food, right? You just no, kind of throw say, it on and it's on and in the background. I think books and uh, certain books and series, like if you're kind of binging them or you're watching a lot of them, I do think, you know, it sort of creeps into your day to day thoughts. You just sort of like making like kind of these weird comparisons or you just kind of it's always uh-huh, like uh-huh. front of mind. Like I would say like a, a TV show is like Severance, which I love. Right. But like. You know, just I won't nothing to give away, but it's just about people that work in a corporation. Corporations very unusual, shall we say? And it's like, like if you're like binging that, and you know, that's maybe more relatable than the uh, Mr. Fox right at this point. But you're like, you just kind of like, you're like, oh, you find it, you start to find things in the movie or in the series a little bit relatable about your job, like you're in a meeting or something. And it's just sort of like that's true, that's true. Callback. So I, I do think things when you're immersed in them, sort of like. In, in a book, a really good book that's like invigorating like that same kind of thing. So I think it creeps into your thoughts. I, I would agree with that. I, I think maybe this is why I'm excluding books from it is because it's the repetitive viewing. It's seeing it yeah. over and over again that really like books are hard. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's is, is this the title of a book? It's like, uh, well, as we would say nowadays, people search for meaning, not man search for meaning. But like it's this like search for meaning that you're going to sit down. Yet again, you're going to watch the fantastic Mr. Fox and you're like, Kylie has a platinum credit card. What does that say about me? 
right? <laughs> I mean, he's always he pays his bills on time. He's always had good credit. He's just there to be available, right? So like you see it so much that like it's not even when you're watching it, or I should say it's not only when you're watching it, but it just kind of like creeps into your head. Yeah. Like all the time. And so it's just sort of like, it's always there. You relate to it. You think about it, things come up. And so I think that is, I mean, maybe before there were movies and TV and you were like, I don't know, some sort of noble or monk in like 1397. And all you had was four books. This might explain <laughs> the Bible and all sorts of religions where you're just oh, like, yeah. I got this one fucking book. And I got nothing all else I to read. Here we go right. again. And, and so it becomes the totality of existence in life at, at some point because that's all you have. I would say, like, I do think, like, um, I didn't fall into this myself. I've never read the series. But, like, Harry Potter, like, I know I have, like, relatives, like, mm. teens, tweens that, like, like, they have read the Harry Potter series, like, I don't know, many times over. Like, they good just, point, like, good point. It's just over and over. Like, I don't know. I have, like, one uh, family member, extended family member that read it. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know how many times. But, like, you know, but it's sort of, like, I think, so I think if you do, there are, like, there are some books I think that people do that on where they just, like, they as soon as they finish it, they start it again just because they, like, it's right, almost right, like right. living in that I, world. Yeah, I used to have a cycle of, of books when I was younger, like, things that I probably read way too many times. But, I kind of, I guess I kind of outgrew it where I had too many to read. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well, I could reread, you know, that book or let me go read something new. You know, and now, now it's like audiobooks. I, I'm listening to uh, Green Mars, you know, which is kind of a, I don't know, 25 year old science fiction book about colonizing Mars. And it's, it's just kind of ambient background. Almost because I'm like, I what's going on? It's too too much, too much detail. I don't care anymore. I'm just walking and living through it. But I'm also kind of like, this is just relaxing. This is like the the soundtrack to you know walking the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think I'll listen to it again. But <laughs> maybe, maybe better question though is your daughter? Um, is she noticing new things, or is it just you? Because I think most of the time kids are interested in just like you know, sort of the repetition is very comfortable for them. They like to know what's mm. going to happen. So I don't know, but is she picking up on things like, oh, that credit card thing? Or is she in the same, just kind of just enjoying the, hmm. oh, they, they, I can't remember what happens to Mr. Fox. Oh, they, you know, this happens again. And she likes seeing that. I, hmm, that is actually, I will have to try to find out. I don't really, quiz is the wrong word, but I don't like interact with her to see if she knows all the plot points. That's intriguing. That's the next like, experiment. Is when see, you're watching, you could like watch her watch it. Just sort of like, does she, she probably has favorite parts, right? Like, or maybe not, but like, sometimes that's obvious. It's like, oh, I can't wait to the, this. I, 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 I mean, I don't know if this says something about her or the movie, but her favorite part is the entire movie. Okay, right. And, and so, yeah, but that, I'm, I'm going to have to find out, like, I'll well, have to start. And, I'll just throw a different, like frozen, clearly certain, you know, yes. news tracks, like, you know, the this kids are almost excited, you know, let, I mean, obviously, like, can't wait for the let it go part to come on. Right now, now, that is a whole other realm of what we're talking about is once you put songs and music in it, which Fantastic Ooh. Mr. Fox, there's one like uh, musical thing in there. But like, once you put that in there, that's a whole other game because she will do she'll she will like stomp her foot. So, of course, she wants the like, uh, let it go thing, as you were saying. But uh with with the fox, I'm not sure, but I'll have to I'll have to figure that out. Well, you know, speaking of things that we get obsessed with that go over and over in our heads, <laughs> we've got the Cloud Native Computing Foundation landscape, and I think I think there was some discussion in our Slack channel. Now, if you if you're not uh, part of the Software Defined Talk Slack community, you're missing out on all sorts of great things. We've got lots of ongoing discussion. We've got all sorts of strange channels and not strange ones, things you can pay attention to uh, pretty much uh, every day. I was thinking, you know, I'm getting a little bored of my RSS feeds. Not bored, but I consume them quickly. And I realize what I've got to do is log into the Software Defined Talk Slack channel and see what's going on there first thing in the morning. If you want to join it, you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash slack. Anyhow, someone is bringing up that uh, you've got the big old, uh, like, uh landscape there and like it seems kind of massive what's going on with it 
have have developers run away with it? Is the community going crazy? Like, what's the deal with it? We all sort of like make fun of it. It used to be something that was prominent before uh, certain people, many organizations joined the cloud native community would be like, hey, look at that with the kind of Nelson laugh. And now Nelson's dead. And, uh, <laughs> Wait, I, I didn't, I didn't binge watch that episode. <laughs> and and now we're just sitting there, but like, what, what, what is, uh, what is y'all's take on the uh, landscape at the moment? Has this gone crazy? Is it, is it good? What, what's going on with it? Well, I think the landscape, I guess the two parts that kind of came up in the Slack that we're talking about is sort of the categories of application de- definition and image build. So there's like roughly, I don't know, say 60 choices inside of that, you know, let's say Helm is like in backstage or like the big blocks. And then there's lots of smaller blocks and then continuous integration delivery. There's probably again, another, maybe like 45, 50 options with like Argo and flux being the big ones. There's lots of other choices. And I, and I think, you know, kind of the question um, someone posed in the Slack, I thought was really good is um, kind of like a callback to uh, Stephen O'Grady's piece, you know, uh, uh, developers of the new King makers, but I <laughs> I guess, you know, the kind of question was like, is this what he meant, right? You know, they're like, if you just look at these, just these two areas, right? You're roughly like have a hundred different things to pick from, right? To, and, you know, maybe you just need one of each, maybe you need a combination of them. But, you know, the idea that, you know, the developers are sort of like picking out which of these tools to use to then in theory, deliver more functionality to deliver more value to the business. It, it does, you know, I just think that question and Slack really jumped out at me. It's like, yeah, we probably didn't want um, like a hundred different boxes to pick from, right? Like at least as, as a general solution. But uh, here we are, you know, it's just like, this is what we've made. And, and I guess the thing I was thinking about, I was listening to so many reviews of kind of the Apple Vision Pro, which I have no review. I haven't used it. It looks cool, but you know, I have to, we'll wait and see. But but putting that aside, it's sort of like, I was maybe just like a little jealous of the consumer world this week. It's like, oh, wow, they've got this new computing platform and they're at the beginning, right? It's like, maybe it's going to be great. Maybe it isn't. But then I, I kind of think of like, and I know um, KubeCon's coming up and I know like th- th- these charts are getting revved. It's just sort of like, wow, I don't know, man. We've been at this chart a long time now. I feel like, you know, we got like, a lot of stuff to pick. And I just, there's part of me that feels like, I don't, maybe we're going the wrong way. Like maybe there's just like too much. And uh, back to the, like that idea of the developers of the new Kingmakers, like maybe we've just made it too complicated for everyone. I don't know, Matt, mm. what, what do you think? Well, uh, as someone trying to uh, appease the CNCF and move my project into the next level, <laughs> I think they're great. Great. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I, I definitely understand. You see, you see people occasionally drop into some of the CNCF channels and they're like, won't someone just tell me what to do? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and the point has always been they're, they're not there to make decisions for you. They're there to foster healthy software projects and an ecosystem where, you know, these things can find each other and ostensibly vendors can you know, put them together in a nice open source package for you to consume. Um, so, yeah, it is confusing. I mean, how do you know what to pick? Um, because when you look at that landscape, it's uh, it's daunting to say the least. And and so, um, I, I mean, I guess it makes things better in the fact that you're little. Well, I was going to say you're less likely to just go off and and you know hit up a salesperson and say, tell me what to buy, but um, you still need that, right? You still need someone to, to be your, your guide through, through this wilderness. Uh, it's just, at least, you know, all the trees in this wilderness are, you know, free range organic, I guess, or, or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's my weird metaphor, but at least it's open source is, is kind of the point. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe you're hitting on like the thing there is like, you know, the group, like the, the actual landscape, I do like it in the sense of like, oh, it's great that someone's taking the time to like put everything out there. So it's sort of like a menu, at least, um, it, at least you can see everything, but maybe that, maybe that in itself is like part of the problem that everyone, um, most companies today, like want to get something into the CNCF. Right. And maybe that is kind of the problem is it's like, everyone just sort of sees the idea as like, we just want to keep adding to the menu. And, and I don't know, I think there are like systems initiative. And I think uh, Kote, your old, uh, one of your old bosses, the Pivotal founder, right? They're starting some new stuff. But like, and maybe that's what we just need is sort of like someone stepping back and be like, hey, we, you got to get away from just like the menu of ingredients. Like we maybe we got to 
if we just keep adding to this list, if we just keep adding projects on, you know, we it just may be become more and more of a distraction, right? It's sort but, of like but, almost having an editor in some way of being like, no, no, like we've got to edit this down to give anyone a chance to like mm. it get value out of this much more quickly. Go ahead. But Matt. that's that's like the calculus every new project does. They look at the CNCF and they're like, huh, that thing's a mess. I do have an open source project. Um, if I put it into that mess, you know, I'm going to at least get attention. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You know, it, it, the, no, the, the, I, wor- I, the I worst thing for a startup is, is, you know, nobody knowing you exist, right? You Maybe you've got some wonderful, great idea. You know, maybe, you know, maybe you know, like system initiative. It's like they're, they're doing some crazy cool stuff there. Yes, it is open source, but you know, they need they need like you know the the fame of Adam Jacob to to push awareness. You know, Dagger same thing. They need the fame of Solomon Hikes to to push awareness. Mm-hmm. If you were just starting something up like that, if you were just you know three randos in, in a in a garage in, in Silicon Valley, like you probably end up having to burn a boatload of VC to get attention, or mm. you know the 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 fame that you have is kind of. The alternative. And so if you have a, a less famous project, you look at the CNCF and you're like, well, um, we are open source. Should we go ahead and do it? We'll lose control, kind of. You know, how, how far do we have to go? You know, how how, how deep into that, that pool do we have to go before we lose, you know, complete control? You know, because obviously we've seen folks like at Google who are like, oh, I wish, you know, wish we'd held on tighter to Kubernetes or Istio or, or what have you. But eventually even they like, gave into the cncf so um okay but i agree I, with all that but maybe just a broad question is like but like okay every like as people keep adding to this list and the yeah it gets bigger right. like are we making progress like is it getting better or is you know like is it actually getting easier to develop you know whatever the business functionality is that you want so that your 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 business i mean obviously there, there's more functionality and it's covering more use cases but you still have to have somebody to make heads and tails of it. I, 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 end users still want an opinionated version of this landscape or, you know, they want some path that, you know, somebody's going to say, yes, this is the way to do it. And by the way, we'll support you. You know, that's the problem with, with open source is like, uh, you know, I, I had a, a very large company the other day, you know, hit me up on, on the open cost side and they're like, where can I get support? And I was like, that nobody sells support for a CNCF project. You know, I, you end up, you buy the commercial, you know, offering on top of that is what you're buying. You know, is what oh, you're paying Matt for. Ray, I know some people who would have killed their dog or cat <laughs> to have picked up the thread of that conversation. They would have just <laughs> been like, oh, anyway, yeah, yeah. You know, you well, know, I, I, that's I, I, my I, point. For, for this particular project, there's not, you know, you can't just say, totally. you know, I'll take the pure open source thing. Um, in in medium right i i you know what you're making me think matt is um there is i don't know how to phrase this so i'm just gonna phrase it there there is no sort of like tastemaker of the landscape here who's basically like you've got all these options right but here's what you should do right like like it's very well, there there are let, tastemakers. There are. I mean, well, when, when, when well, I went let me, to, let me to Kanzu, it. right? If if there are tastemakers, they're not doing a good job, right? Because <laughs> oh, because hey, like I was setting you up. <laughs> be, because because the tastemakers you want, right? Like every season, when it comes to whether it's food, fashion, movies, like there is a definitive winner. There's a definitive like style of doing things. Well, the, like the, where you're going to go about doing are. it. They're 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 endorsing a style. They're saying this is how. This is well, 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 Panzu well right. Kubernetes ties but, together but, thirty of these projects, right? But the the tastemaker doesn't ties together thirty of these projects. But the tastemaker doesn't make the thing. The tastemaker says, out of all the things people are making, here's the winner. Yeah, right? yeah. And and so like when you look at the landscape, I mean, there's two things the landscape is trying to do. One of them, and I think this is, um, I don't know, the CNCF is fine. Right. Like it suffers from the same thing that a lot of like huge, successful open source things suffer from, which is like originally they just want to like let a thousand flowers bloom or whatever. 
And then eventually, like, you get money in there and you've got to balance all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. But they're generally pretty good at keeping track of, like, you know, we just want as much going on as possible. So from that respect, like, uh, was it was it you or someone else, Matt Ray, who was talking about the big tent recently? It's just like, that's a fucking huge tent that they got going on, right? We got, so a, lot they, of, we got a lot of animals in this tent. Yeah, <laughs> so they, they succeeded at the big tent clouds. thing. Like beyond anything else. Their, their tent is like galactic. So they've got the galactic tent going on. And which is great. We could all like, we all want that. Now, what what this community needs is someone to come in and say like, fuck that shit. Here's the shit you want to do, right? But this is what's fashionable. And like, that's my point is the distros tried to do that. Right. But, 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 I, I, I mean, especially like over in, in but the you, sandbox you, like, area. Like, 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 let me make an analogy. You've got all, I don't know what they are, but you've got all the fashion designers out there, the high fashion and the old navies. Right. And all of them are like, they're the distros. They're competing mm-hmm. for like, we got fabric, we got thread, we got marketing, we've got retail locations, distribution, we got the whole business model. And we're all trying to be top three. Like whether that is like revenues wise, like distribution, whatever it is. But eventually, like, I don't even know who these people are, like Vogue magazine, like they come in and they're like, nope, they win. Right. This year, the gigantic, absurd pussy jackets, they're the winners. That distro is good. Right. <laughs> and, and, is it a magic quadrant of fashion? <laughs> right. And 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 then so like this is the problem with the analysts, is like you have let's call them the free analysts and they don't fucking talk about that shit. You go over to red monk. They're not going to tell you what distro to pick. You read no. some like, Oh, Grady piece. And you're just like, I guess everyone's cool. Right. Like there's no, like there's no definitive <laughs> thing about where the pendulum is or like anything. You're just like, ah, what do I buy? Right. Yeah. And then, and then like you go over to other free places and they don't give you anything definitive or you're like, or I could pay $5,000 for a PDF that sort of tells me what's good. Yeah. But we've all read the magic quadrants and they don't actually tell you fucking buy this shit. They're just sort of like, well, you got this, you got that. These people are in this quadrant, like whatever. I, and I, so like, there's no tastemaker. There's no one who's saying that like, this is the winner. And so hence like the CNCF, as was the AC, the uh, the ASF, the Eclipse Foundation, every single even open well was open stack was this way as well. Their job is not to say winner is like a very winner is almost like saying who won the war. They're not there to say what is the best choice if you do not have eccentric needs, right? Like. You know, for most people, the best choice is a pair of jeans, right? Like, just like you could go to someone and they would say, like, what pair of pants do I need? And you could be like, well, uh, do you need um, SSO to netwear and LDAP? And they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? I got to wear pants. And so you would say, like, all right, you should get some jeans. Right. And that's the answer. But there's no one who's going to just going to tell you you need some jeans in the whole like cloud native space. Well, there, there there are. I mean, I, I I keep coming back to like that's the whole point of the distros, and and all the people who are like, I've got this managed Kubernetes platform for you, right? We've made these decisions for you. We've told mm-hmm. you, you know what? You need a straight leg. Don't go with those bell bottoms. You know they look ridiculous. You need a straight leg. We'll handle your single sign on, uh, and you know you want that little pocket to keep your coins in. Um, that's that's the whole point to those people to, oh, the fifth to, pocket. to service providers mm-hmm. and and you know the cloud distributors they're there to make those decisions for you and so when you come in and you're like um which you know which uh you know which service mesh do i use they're like you don't care you know we've already picked for you and we're supporting one for you and it's going to do what fair. you need that's fair right so so my point is like this the whole point of the CNCF landscape is yes, it's a menu, but it's, it's a, it's a restaurant supply menu. It's not, it, it's not okay, for okay. the end user. I, 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 I like that. So, so the tastemaker is someone who makes your, uh, what do you call it? A capsule wardrobe. They're sort of like, you've got all these options out here, 
in the mm-hmm. landscape. Yeah. I'm going to give you the capsule wardrobe. The I don't know how many are in a capsule. Five to ten outfits that you will need. Yeah, and uh, you hire my services. Ah, that's and, fair, and, and that's how you get the Tom Hardy of Kubernetes, right? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> All right, but just just a broad question. Then it's like, okay, I'll, let's just grant the distributions of what it's supposed are um, the kind of the things you're supposed to pick for. But I guess I just got my question: like, is this working? Like, really? Do people just pick the distribution, and it really means needs? Because it feels like What's there's the still, alternative. It feels like there's <laughs> a lot of ma- there's just massive co- uh, confusion, right? Like, I think people will often speak of a distribution and then then they'll often be like but i heard about you know i'm just picking something off the page here flux right they'll be and you're like no no and then you try to say well don't worry about that that's included but they're like no no i just you know i just i heard about this thing and i'm reading about this and it it i don't know it just kind of comes back to like it still feels like just general it is more baffled by all of this than they are like deriving value up from it I think, I think maybe the answer is like, yeah. this is why, he, I mean, maybe for Kote's sake in a good way, it's like, this is why I think it's like, well, I don't know. Let's just keep running VMware. It's working. You know, like, you just, know, you know well, I, exactly. I think, just I, I think it looks like that and uh, I'll be happy. And if you, if all of you figure it out, come back from uh, the EU uh, CNCF in, in Paris, if you figured it all out, and there's like two boxes, let me know. If not, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep the VMware running. It's, I, I, I think maybe to go down the metaphor hole here. The the issue is that like, and we talk about this for how many, however many years we've done this podcast is like, for some reason, everyone in a large global two thousand company, bank, pharmaceutical, manufacturer, government, feels a need to knit their own fucking pants. <laughs> and you're just like, why are you knitting your own pants? First of all, who wants to wear knitted pants, right? Like, you got to build the machines, like you got to do all this stuff. Like, why are you making your own pants, right? And this is our constant struggle is just like people well, want to make th- their That's because pants. the pants makers keep raising their prices and you've got this, oh, look, I've got all those, makers. The, the, the free, the free supplies I need to make my own pants. They're just sitting there. How hard yeah. could it be? Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> How true. hard could it be to knit your own pants? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. Watch out for pants. Well, you know, speaking of pants, I think we've hit upon, like I have been trying to sort out what this whole enshittification thing is for uh, business-to-business business. Is B2B still something that people say? Is that a Gen X phrase? I Matt Ray, what do you think? I think we say it. I, I think we say it. Business, business knows no generations. They, they're going to keep... I'm keeping keep, that. Keep it on. Yes. I think we have to keep that. Okay, good. Business knows gener- no... Yeah, huh, I like Maybe it. Maybe it just has vibes now. B2B has vibes. We'll just add that. That'll make it uh, more... Uh, gen- Does it have Riz? Mm, probably right. not i just not have that but i like i like where you're going i don't know what that means i'm gonna move on so first of all you know thanks to brand to uh not brandon i get you too confused all the time every time i talk mm-hmm. about brian but thanks to brian for covering the insurification thing i think he brought up a great point which was which i agree with which is there are two types of businesses as the uh netscape ceo whatever his name was said uh, Barksdale, Jim Barksdale, yep. uh, that you're either bundling a business or unbundling it. Yeah, two ways is, to make money, basically. That's, the, I think, the quote. Bundling that's or right. unbundling. Which is to say, aggregating a bunch of valuable stuff and giving a price to the buyer that they perceive is cheaper than if they were to buy those things separately that you can give deliver to them at a profit. Or you... Um, de-aggregate, you pull apart all the different things and sell it to people and they think that they are getting a better deal and you make a big, better profit. You just described the CNCF landscape problem, right? <laughs> I, you're either bundling a distro or you're like, there's problems with that distro, let me replace an individual piece. Hence the genius of Brian's explanation of the insertification thing. Now, I think, I think in listening to what he was saying and thinking about it further, I think maybe insurification only applies to consumer businesses because there's a flaw in the insurification um, position, which is what insurification is saying. And I've got to disclaim, I'm saying this to you, Matt, because you are the, uh, the, the Cory Doctorow um, representative here whether you want to be or not oh sorry (laughs) is that i try to read his stuff 
I'll read it for like two minutes. And I'm like, I, I even uh, like he had he had something in the Financial Times, which I got to say is the fo- fucking most ironic place for him to post. <laughs> but whatever. So yeah. I, I had to go somewhere to like remove the paywall to read it. Whatever. I get it. Right. Like someone's got to pay to go to that uh, Disneyland trip that he goes in this Tiku bar and all that kind of business. No problem. But like I, I, I went to chat GPT and I was like, tell me the arguments in this because I couldn't make my way through it. But I think the issue is that insurification only happens in consumer based businesses. But the question becomes, so are the actual customers of the insurified services, are they insurified? The people who are buying advertising, like, I think they might yes. like it. Like, no, they hate it too. Because they, well, because well, well, on the other hand, as opposed to what? Did they like the previous advertising scheme? Like, yes. has anyone ever liked, like, going to talk with Don Draper and him being like, it's a fucking carousel. It's toasted. <laughs> like, all that shit, right? That didn't right. work. No, no, no. I mean, the, 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 it, that's why it, it's, it's like a process, right? When it started, you've got this great product that the end users, they love it. And they're getting what they feel is, you know, a lot of value for, for, for free, for, for whatever. And then the advertisers, you know, Google or Facebook or whoever turns around to them and says, look, we've got, you know, hundreds of millions of eyeballs captured for you. We've segmented them up into every category you like. Um, you can bid and get directly at those people. People are like, hey, that's great. That's exactly what I want, yeah. right? I, I want to, yeah. I w- really want to narrow cast, you know, my, my advertisements. And then, um, but, but as they go, they're like, you know, I used to be able to get this stuff for, you know, 10 cents an impression. And now it's 20. And, you know, you're selling, you know, my search results to my competitors. Um, so they can bid against me as well. You know, it was like, well, hey, it's free market. What do you care? Right. And, and at the same time, Google's like, you know what? If we show twice as many ads, we get twice as many dollars, you know? So we're doubling up on this. And then the, the huh. end user's like, you know, this thing that used to be free and would have like one ad per page, now it's got a dozen. And I don't know what the quality of this is. And then at the same time, the content that Google's scraping um, has all gone way downhill because they're like, you know what? We got to get to the top of that list. We got to be first. We got to be. And so all your, you know, the entire internet all looks the same. You know, everybody uses the same you know, styles of, of content with all sorts of embeds and SEO terms. And then right, you have right, just right. giant content farms making horrendous junk just to be at the top. And so you've got advertisers like, you know, I used to be able to get to my end users by advertising on these words. And now I'm bidding on pages that they don't want to come to. They think that this site sucks and I'm paying twice as much as I used to pay just to keep my competitors out of, out of my ads. And then, you know, Google's like, you know what? We're not even going to show your stuff anymore. We're just going to we're going to cut out the the end user pages and we'll just have the answers for you. And you're like, and so then all the content people are like, wait, I needed them to come here so I could show them Google ads. <laughs> so yeah, the whole well, I, thing just collapses under the weight of itself. Just to come back a little bit, I think, you know, just, you know, kind of stepping back a little bit and just saying it's like, hey, I think the whole idea of it is just sort of the value proposition over time changes. It's sort of like yeah. initially you start and, you know, I think Brian made this point is like oftentimes you start with venture back companies that are really subsidizing something. So giving away like maybe there are no ads or maybe a very cheap Uber ride. Right. And then over time, it's the shifting value proposition as the company wants to extract more value. Right the benefits get less and less. And then, you know, I think Brian's key point, and and I think, you know, to speak for him, and obviously we put a link to the episode in the show notes. So go listen to the whole episode to get his take. But I think his point was sort of like, well, the per, you know, you as the user can off, can unbundle yourself. And at the end of the day, that's kind of your only choice, right? Like kind of just like taking Matt's passionate description there and just saying like, the way you stop is like, eventually you stop, going to the well, site you stop using that search engine and i think to what you said before Cote, i actually do think it applies to b2b stuff i think anytime you see a, a company either raise prices or as we've covered many times on the show change the license you know the license was open source or was permissive or whatever yeah. anytime you're doing that that's a different that's a, a slightly different but the same kind of thing it's like oh now you know i was used to the value proposition like this and now you're making some change um and so at the end, you know, that's kind of thing. I think Brian sort of like at the end, he says, you know, I think he says something like he didn't solve it. But I think ultimately you as the company or the user that's using this product as or the company buying this product, 
you know, your only real chance there is you just have to think of your part of the bundle. And at mm-hmm. some point you unbundle yourself and that's the best you can do. You're really not going to ever change this idea that companies aren't going to seek to maximize value. It just, that's. Yeah. Unless they're not public. I, I, I really like what both of you are saying because it's making me think that in shitification in B2B, we call that lock-in. Yeah. Because, because a lot exactly. of what you, what that's you two bad. are saying and, and, and you kind of clarified this a lot, Brandon is there was an original, let me rephrase some things. There was an original promise about like what the relationship was going to be, because that's a big word in enterprise software where we've got a relationship, we've got a partnership, right? Like you're almost proposing, like we're going to have, we're going to go on to use another word, this ongoing journey of value creation. Right. And it's like, the enchidification or the, the, to use another phrase, betrayal is that like, but you told me we were going on this journey of co-value creation. And the next thing you know, it's like, <clears throat> well, we're changing the way we charge to whatever. And now you owe me $5 million instead of $300,000. <laughs> and, and, and there's almost this like, this is I, and and I guess this is why the why I'm hung up on the consumer angle is because I feel like the consumers they are not it's not even that they're not cognizant they don't give a fuck about that betrayal they're just like I don't know I can still see what my niece is doing like they the, mm-hmm. like almost the consumer in the enchidification thing doesn't really care mm-hmm. like. It's not well, it's, really anything that comes up for them. As I say, this gets to a question. This is sort of why this came up again this week was Andrew in the Slack, you know, kind of posed two questions, I guess to you, Cote, but to all of us really. And I think this is, uh, and I think he listened to Brian sing as well. So if we kind of take the, okay, well, you know, businesses are going to seek to maximize value. It is what it is. Your only real choice is to unbundle yourself. Once it gets to the point, the value proposition isn't really, um, you know, uh, if you will, equal to what you wanted before. But Andrew asked here is like, well, what about like, is it fair to, if you will, try to hold, I think that's what you're getting at Cote, like hold the company to the social contract it created. Right. And so I think right. he sort of asked this like, well, if the company just sort of like comes in and degrades the social contract that's been built up and he kind of goes into it. Some, sometimes, you know, these are things over 10, 20, 30 years. Right. You know? Um, and it just suddenly says, and this is where I think like, let's just use private equity sort of as like the big, bad private equity. It's like a company's humming along and it's doing well and a boom, private equity comes in and, you know, raises the prices or like maybe even a better example would be uh, somebody uh, there's like a drug that people need and it's like generic and it's reasonable. And then suddenly someone buys it and jacks up the price, like, you know, 10,000%. Yeah. Right. And it's like, there are these moments where, and I think this is where Andrew was asking is like, can, you know, is it fair to kind of demand that like, Hey, you put this social contract in place over a pretty long period of time and you're changing it now. And so rather than being like, I'm not, I'm not going to unbundle myself. I'm going to demand that you change it back. Right. Is that ever, um, is that ever, I guess, a reasonable request? And I think that's kind of what I don't know, Kote, what do you think? Is that, is it reasonable to, to ask that? It, it's, it seems like there's two things. One is like how, hmm, you know what, you, like gaslight is the wrong word, but you don't want to, uh, what, what is the phrase for like, you should know better? That's not gaslighting. Like right? caveat enter, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like caveat Fuck you, Tur. Right is almost like the the rephrasing of it, which is sort of like, uh, yeah, buyer beware. Like, like it almost feels like if you are, if you're dealing with a business and you're getting something from them, you should understand that they want to maximize their profits. On the other hand, if they are saying to you, "We want to be your friend." then (laughs) that almost is the opposite of that. It's very confusing. I don't know what to do with that at all. I think that's, but I think that's, I think that's both corporations that employ people and just general, right. As well as, um, you know, things that are sold. Right. I think this is the part I think Andrew's sort of touching on. It's like, there are times like, if you will, maybe 
even unintentionally that the corporation will try to like, if you will, kind of like, if you will put you, uh, you, you put you at ease, like, don't worry. It's always going to be like, that's, this. Right. Like, that's right. Like, don't like it. Like it is like to your point, it's like, it's not just, uh, you're getting paid to work here. It's like, this is this, you're you're part of something bigger. Right. And there is this yeah, kind of yeah. like, you can For get, example. if you will, if you don't have your guard up a little bit, right. Or if you're using a free product that you really like, an open source product that you really like. And you're like, no, this community has been great. They've been doing this for a long time. And you know, they would never uh, change the license. That would never happen. Right. You know, you get lulled into it and the, in, and these entities do kind of do that. And so I don't know, you can kind of put it on either person is like, right, well, right, right, right. You know, it's, it's on you kind of like, you know, buyer you know, beware. It's really on you because, you know, you, you allowed yourself to be lured into this and, you know, and you should have always That's, known that they're going to change it. Or it's like, yeah. no, no, it's like, come on, you know, you said this for a long time and we've been working together for a long time. Like Gmail, that's a good one. It's like me and Gmail, we've been together a long time. If tomorrow they're like, you know, it's a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars a month to use Gmail. Like we'd all be like, well, well, well Gmail is a good example because back um, when we all started using it, it was unlimited storage. And yeah, now, right. And, and now like, I don't mind the $20 I pay a year, but like I I've exceeded my yeah, yeah. Gmail thing. Right. So I, whatever it is. So I have to pay for it. But that is just like, I went from your quota is infinity to nothing. Right. And so, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, like you do have, Hmm. It it is sort of like some strange, like uh, what do you call it? Like uh, like switcheroo of what's happening there. Right. I'm not sure is what people would say. Right. That's a yes. little bit like there is a little bit of that. And I think you know Andrew brings up maybe in kind of his final point, which is sort of like another little interesting twist on this. Is like, well, what about um, in this case, like creators, right? So somebody that uh, obviously there's things like TikTok and Instagram, and there's mm. also things like Docs and Gmail and things like that right. where the bonds that the, if you will, that the, the platform, let's say, um, become so strong. Certainly if you're like deriving all of your money from like YouTube videos, right. And you've gotten used to making a certain amount of money, then they switch the algorithm on you and suddenly you don't make any money or, you know, you have everything in docs and that's your work, you know, and that's how it all works. And then suddenly they change it. Um, it's, it's just not so easy, right. For those, like, if you will, like sometimes really where your, your living is tied to it, you know, a creator, you can't just unbundle yourself or you can't do it very easily, right? It's sort of like you're almost tied to the thing that makes money. So if they change it on you, it's like, oh man, this is like a huge, it's almost like getting fired from a job. Well, and, and I think that's why there's such a strong reaction to license changes is people think that they're going with open sources and insurance as a hedge against this, you know, oh, you're going to just change the licensing. And now instead of paying, you know, 60 K I pay 300 K and I didn't have any alternatives. And, but, yeah. but with, with, you know, ostensibly with open source, you'll be like, screw it. I'll just keep using the open source and b- build it myself. Or, you know, I'll keep getting the same value, but I won't have the support and I'll have, you know, a couple more rough edges, but the premium that you're requesting isn't worth it to me. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, keep using the open source. But if there's a full on license change, you know, with the a rug pull license change, you know, it's like, oh, I can't even do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. It, it's sort of like you've been hanging out with your buddy. It's been great for many years. You're eating steak all the time, cooked however you want. And all of a sudden you find out all I can eat is some fucking tofu. Well, and he hands right. you a bill. <laughs> your buddy's like, oh, and here's the bill for all that steak. And you're yeah. like, but you were the stakes were free. We were hanging. Even even worse. Well, well, in the context of all of this, just to briefly comment on it, there was a lot of uh, like uh, you know quarterly earnings calls, things like that. It seems like the tech industry, despite everything we've just said, is doing fucking fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I would just like quickly, uh, if you t- total them up, you know, I like to do this. Is AWS Azure and Google so. AWS is the $97 billion run rate, uh, growing at 13% year over year. Azure is at $74 billion run rate. Again, always a little bit weird with Azure, but let's just call it that. 28% year over year. And then Google Cloud is $37 billion. So again, growing 26% year over year. So I like to just like, how, how far are we? So I just add all that up. That's like $208 billion. Uh, and then I just add everybody else in there. So let's call it 220 I think this whole market's like one trillion. So there you go. I think we're twenty-two percent of the way through. That's people, you know, 
forget. I think the marathon has started. Uh, we're in like the third and a half inning, let's say something along those lines is, is what I believe. So, um, it does seem like things are going pretty well though. So, you know, who knows next week, next earnings could be a lot worse, but it, it does feel like at least people are making tons of money. I, I like the, uh, the invent to bring him up again, the investigative reporting that Brian's kicked off, which is, is this real money? <laughs> and so I, I look forward to seeing if like his uh, his investigation into that. Well, uh, we've got all sorts of other stories we haven't covered. If you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 454, which uh, that's a palindrome, if I've got it right. <laughs> I palindrome I, so to speak. Yes. And uh, so if you, if you want to see all the other things we haven't covered, you can ch- click on that. I'm actually having to scroll with my fingers many times to look over all of them. Many fantastic things. Join our Slack channel, as I just said, um, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes ago. But with that, Brandon, do we have any bureaucracy? Uh, we do. I sent Chris some stickers. He's in uh, Tempe, Arizona. So if you would like stickers to put on your laptop or your Tumblr or really wherever you want, uh, send your address to stickers, postal address rather, at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. I will be happy to send you stickers anywhere in the world. Also, I want to thank Jason. He posted a nice comment in the Slack. Always appreciate, you know, getting some good reviews. Uh, for those that were worried, Jordy did use mobile passport control, and he had a good experience. So, oh, that's perhaps the only thing he's been happy about in the last five years. Um, I think so. I think that may be true. I think that's so. I was happy. I was happy for the mobile passport <laughs> control people. Uh, Brian in the Slack, he recommends uh, Subprime Attention Crisis. This book, I think I mentioned it real briefly. So if you're really interested in sort of like why is the internet the way it is and sort of, you know, what could potentially be some bad outcomes, read that. It's really, really good. And then uh, Andrew recommends uh, the from Amazon.com. And it was such a strong rep- recommendation. Uh, I'll just read it here. It's basically, it's the uh, sink soap dispenser tube kit. So the link is in here. So you're probably like, what does that mean? Well, the genius invention, uh, and it is rather genius, but it's rather simple, is that if you have one of those like built-in soap dispensers into like your kitchen faucet, so instead of just having like the tiny little, if you will, um, I guess what you call it, like a container that you try to fill fill up with soap and it's like not that big. And then when you fill it up, you get soap everywhere because it's impossible to do it. Mm. What this does is it replaces the under part with just like basically just the tube. And you take the tube and then you can uh, uh, put it the tube into what I'm going to just take the opportunity to recommend into the giant Costco bucket of soap, right? A like, container. And then, you know, you don't have to fill it up anymore. It just sort of like, you know, you probably have enough soap for several years if you have one Costco container. Wow. Uh, and it looks, it looks like genius. So this is, again, a problem that I know I did have, right? Where I was like, yeah, I wish. Oh, you, uh, you've installed this? You've, I haven't installed it. I did buy it though. But I was like, yeah, wow. every time I try to fill up the soap dispenser, soap goes up there. So I'm like, I'm going to. Wow. And the way Andrew recommended it, I was like, man, we have, we, we think alike. I didn't know about this, but it's great. So uh, he says it's great. I'm going to, I'll report back. Uh, once I install it to tell you if it all worked, but it looks very promising and it's very inexpensive. And that's a surprising, like a, a plastic tube is, is not very expensive. So you can get it on Amazon. So, so Matt, yes. uh, do they have that kind of soap dispensing system in Australia? Well, we have access to Amazon too. Any, any cheap, Chinese gadget, yeah, I got access to all of them. I can, well, I can well, order well, them all the online. Soap, you have the soap it, dispenser now. Is that your like? Do you have the that sink. Do you have the Uh-oh. built-in soap dispenser? Not in my current house, but I can't imagine they don't. Because here in Europe, I mean, I haven't like we we had some good comments on our uh, uh, half shower curtain yeah. thing that like one of our German uh, listeners said that they've always had a full coverage, which is great. Oh, okay. Congratulations, good, good job, German. And and so like. I don't know what's common in households, but I feel like with my limited experience in Europe, they don't have this built-in soap dispenser. I don't think that's normal, right? And so I'm wondering if this built-in soap dispenser is like a self-created problem. Like that, like you build the soap, like I have never liked the self, for everything that you just described, I don't like that dispenser. We had one in our old house back in Austin, and I was like, I'm done with this. I don't want this. Right? Too messy. Like, I, it seems weird. Like, so you just, I just have the don't... bottle. You just have a bottle. Just a bottle. Yeah, a bottle. you have a bottle. 
I don't it. Like, mm-hmm. even though it's my own home, I don't know where this soap is coming from. <laughs> Well, it's like, coming from a, a magical tube. <laughs> and, and and so I feel like this is making me think, you know, I always like to come up with uh, new business ideas. We should launch a new podcast called International <laughs> Sync Technology. <laughs> and all we're going to cover is like across the globe. And once we get to Mars and the moon, you know, the, the galaxy, what is the current sync technology? per culture that we have, right? Like I, I, different I regions, sort how of do they like do things? HGTV Kohler tie-in there that we can, you know, tour the world and show them how much better things could be. I mean, because have you seen the sinks they have in the washer and dryer room? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm going to blow your mind. The market's huge, right? Like you got sinks, you got outdoor sinks. You remember that sink that you could screw into your outdoor hose thing so the kids mm-hmm. could like drink some water? Oh, wow. Sinks mm-hmm. are everywhere. Right. So unlimited <laughs> content that we could have. Well, Koji, I just quickly before we move on, I just want to say so I think we can add to your European uh, business. So, OK, we have the pebble ice. We're going to send yeah. you a bunch of Stanley Cups. Again, uh-huh. free use of the restroom. In the restroom, there will be a sink. It will have a soap dispenser and we'll have the tube thing in it so people could try it out. And if they yeah. like it. They can. They in Europe can put in soap dispensers. At their, I, I think we have sinks. a good sized audience here that we could just pivot to it, and most people wouldn't notice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and the sister podcast is going to be napkins. <laughs> That's a whole other technology that like has all sorts oh, of applications. Well, speaking of Servants. napkins, I am looking forward to when I'm going to be at uh, Scale and DevOps Days LA. Uh, March twenty, March 14th to, to 17th. I'm going to be speaking there at DevOps Days LA. You know what they're going to have there? Free napkins until you're sick. All the napkins you want, every single fucking place you go in California. Wow. Napkins, napkins, napkins. But really, it's going to be a great conference. Matt Ray and I have been there many times. It's, uh, it's great. There's lots of open source people, lots of people interested in everything that we talk about here. And also, I'll be speaking. So... It's going to be great. Uh, also, we have KubeCon EU Paris coming up. That's March 19th and 22nd. I'll be there. You're not going there, right, Matt? Oh, I'm there. I'm there. Oh, and Matt Ray's going to be there. So, I mean, we're going to have, it's going to be a hoot nanny, man. We're going to, we're, and we're going to sort out this whole landscape thing while we're there. I do not have the <laughs> VMware, I don't have the VMware 20% discount code in the show notes. So I can't read it to you. And you wouldn't be able to. To like write it down anyways but there is a 20 percent discount code that i'll put in the show notes if you haven't registered yet that you can use to go to kubecon eu paris march 19th to 22nd there's also devops days birmingham alabama i don't think that's the uk one that's april 17th to 18th also in this year and then also uh coming in march um is it the 31st i feel like that that date is wrong but i should go check it but if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 454, um, I'm hosting an executive event. I'm pretty sure it's March 13th, which maybe I transposed one and three, which is something that happens. But, you know, it's kind of invite only. But if you are an executive who cares about like application development or something, try to get in and I'll be there in Dallas and we can talk about security and spring and other stuff like that. But if you want to see that list of conferences and a bunch of other things, you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 454. Now, Brandon, what do you, what do you have to recommend this episode? Well, Kote, I know you said you made a typo. I just, maybe a quick shout out to the CFO of Lyft who, uh, <laughs> and if you haven't read it, a fun article is they, they added a zero onto their uh, growth. So instead of it being 50 basis points, it was 500 basis points, which caused the stock to spike up. And then during the earnings call, she had to correct herself, uh, which was very funny. And then, of course, the stock went down. So don't worry, Kote, that's that's a very small typo. No very one, common. If CFOs do it, not an issue. Yeah, and no one, um, I, I checked here on the, the real-time software-defined talk stock. It, there was no effect. No one, uh, it didn't spike oh, up or anything. Good. So it's all good. Uh, I can well, still retire I, on time. <laughs> that's right. Well, um, I've been doing a little home automation. Home automation is always, it's always one of these things. Like if you add it to your house, it makes it more complicated. And inevitably, it could make your family angry. So I'm always very slow to add things. But I added this Chamberlain Smart Garage Control, which is just basically the ability to, uh, 
uh, open and close your garage remotely. And so it seems mm-hmm. like a pretty good solution. So the, this one uh, basically has like a little hub and it has these like little Bluetooth, if you will, things you stick to the garage doors and it lets you know if it's open or closed. So I went with that over various other like camera solutions, which are like if they can see the QR code on the garage door, it's open or closed. I thought that'd be more complicated. So, so far, I think I, I'm tentatively, I'm pretty good with this. I actually paired it with just a simple camera uh, that is completely detached from the system. So I can actually see, and this is just the, uh, the use cases here is I, I drove off. And uh, I don't didn't remember if I put the garage door down or I didn't put the garage door down or somebody needs access. So uh, so tentatively, I think it's been a good solution. It's pretty simple. And uh, best of all, with all home automation is it doesn't actually take away the uh, basic controls. Everyone in the family can still just hit the, the button to open the garage door and close the garage door. Because that's one thing I've learned. If you sort of replace that is the only way to do it, you're, you're bound to irritate your family. So if you are someone that's looking for a garage door solution, check that out. And I know we have many people uh, that probably have looked at these things. So if you know of something better, uh, let me know. Like uh, some, many people gave us better water bottle suggestions. So if there's better smart girl garage controls, let me know. I want to hear about them. Put it in the Slack, if you will. Let, let me have a little default lifestyle tangent here, Brandon. So <laughs> what is, what's your findings as far as people in your family using the internet of things like home ipad thing right like not ipad but like like ios thing like i feel like a home assist i would like to have my family know that i have installed these lights that they can control from their phone but their answer is always like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about go away <laughs> so so like or is i'm it... just a baby and i don't have a phone well well <laughs> she does but I like she wouldn't know how to use it. But like, is that like a thing that I should expect people to know how to use that? Like, if you want to turn this light off, you can get your phone and turn it off or not. Like, I think you have to like, I actually think it's it's almost like discovering, if you will, advanced features in an operating system. Like you have to like always maintain the default way for something to be used. So like light's a good example. Like I will not put a light in the house or a switch in the house that still doesn't allow you to like, turn the switch on and of off, not. right? Yeah. Mm. Like if right, you right, do right. that, if you're sure, like, oh, sure. well, now you got to use this this other thing, that is, that That's will just make people mad. Yeah. And then it's funny. It's like, there's just a technology adoption cycle in my house. Like my son's thir- 13. He's like, he's just a little bit faster and more interested in this stuff. And like for him, it's like, oh, like, cause he has a phone now. And he's like, it is convenient for him. Um, because he can open and close the garage just with his phone, right? So that's sort of like so he, he likes that and it's useful. And the same thing with like um, the net. I have the Nest thermostats. Again, I think my wife rarely uses the actual app, right? I like it though because it's sort of like because again, like a lot of this is a lot of the things I put in there are like we're away, something has happened. I am not immediately available at home, so it's just like remote support, right? It's right, like, right, right. What, if, if someone calls me and is like, like we had a situation, we had someone looking after our dog or something, they left the garage door, door open. People called like, hey, your garage door is open. And it, the person just forgot, not a big deal. But it was like, you know, it's just, you got to get a neighbor, you have to find someone. So it's like, oh, this would be good for me just to have. Now I can just like see it and close it. And same thing with like the house. It's like, oh, we, we're going away or it's too hot or it's too cold. I can, I can adjust it remotely. So I think of it more like most of these things are like remote support for me. My yeah. son's second in line. He'll usually do it because he finds he likes that stuff. It's a little bit more convenient. And, for, and generally speaking, my wife does not want to be bothered with any of it. Because as I like to tell her the other day, it's like, I understand. Like, she's just a normal person. Like, she just wants technology to enable things in her life. She does not want to play with technology, right? Like, you know, making yeah, the switch yeah. to one other side is like, you know, like there's just all this talk about like Fox Sports and ESPN. They're going to come out with like a new streaming service. I'm like, listen. And you would think like I'm a target uh, target buyer of that, but I'm not. I'm like, do you know how long it's taking me to get everyone comfortable with YouTube TV to think that I would switch again <laughs> and move to another interface? No uh-huh. way. Like, like you probably got YouTube TV 10 years before I will make another attempt because now everyone's very comfortable with it. They like it. Yeah. But for the first, I mean, I cannot tell you how much complaining there was for the first several months, right? And it was just like, uh, so anyway, that's just a, a whole thing. I look at this mostly as remote support. Now, maybe if you're not super tech savvy, I don't know, Matt, your, your household, maybe uh, you got more people. So maybe it's a little yeah. different. Maybe if everybody just loves tech and is like totally in it, you could be like, 
Let's do it all. Everything's no. iPhone. Everything. No, when, when, when the vacuum cleaner kept complaining to my phone that it was stuck, I re- uninstalled the app. Yeah, the Roomba, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another one. Like the Roomba, for example, relegated. It's just it. No, it doesn't do anything. It's just oh no like, no no. We use it like every oh, single day. I just I don't I I don't want to hear on my phone. You know, you don't want to hear about it. Yeah, I, so I would say that was maybe that's an anti recommendation. We had a Roomba for a while, and it's like I don't know. Oh, I love it. No, no, no. I I have to say that's, we didn't we didn't use it that much. But go ahead, Matt. Every you sound like you're in on it. You're in it. Yes. Oh, good. Oh yeah. You're you're and, like and it's you're, a knockoff brand. It's not even a real Roomba. You're yeah. like Amy Sedaris in that Star Wars show where she's just like telling the droids, fix your shit. I don't, <laughs> exactly. I don't have time to deal with your fucking shit. Yes, the yeah. highlight of the series. Yes. Speaking of your fucking shit, what do you have to recommend this episode, Matt Ray? <laughs> well, I, I'm here to report that uh, Floss Weekly uh, is back from the dead. Um, you know, we, we talked recently about how uh, uh, This Week Attack was, uh, the Twit Network was having some budget cuts and Floss Weekly did not make the cut. Well, they have found themselves a new home over on Hackaday and uh, I was fortunate enough to be a guest on the show. So I, I was on a recent episode talking about um, my day job, open cost and uh, had a really good time and you should check it out. Well, that's a good recommendation. I'll have to check that out. That, so, so wait, what, what are these uh, budget cuts they had? Have they cut other well, shows? As the two of you may be aware, um, advertising for podcasting is uh, becoming a little slim. <laughs> Not a problem here. <laughs> I had no idea. And uh, so, so yeah, uh, the the Twit Network um, was kind of uh, you know over over provisioned. They had a full on studio and you know physical locations uh, yes. and paid hosts. And, you know, they, they just, they had to make a few cuts and I guess Floss Weekly was not bringing in the, the big dollars like it used to. Um, and so, you know, they, they up and lifted the show, moved it over to Hackaday and added a redirect, but not for the RSS. So go find yourself a new RSS and, uh, subscribe to Floss Weekly on Hackaday. Yeah. Well, good for them. Well, my recommendation. So as we record this, it is Valentine's day, uh, which is. A fantastic holiday. Everyone enjoys it. So today I uh, I was leaving down in the Bymar, which is, um, I don't know, by the arena in Amsterdam, if you're familiar with it. There is, I don't know what it is. It's, I feel like it's like a Middle Eastern luxury treats shop. And so I stopped by there and I bought a box of chocolate covered dates, which is something I did not realize exists. And that's what I recommend. Take a date cover it in chocolate, maybe put some sort of nut in it and it's delicious. And I bought some small cheesecakes there. Like, and I, I'm holding up my hand for the listeners, but if you were to take your thumb and forefinger, it's almost that big or small. And I bought some cheesecakes there that are that big, but like it was, it was uh, delicious. So go to this place called tree of dates in the Bymar or not Bymar. That's the whole place in the Amsterdam port. Uh, and uh, it's good. Chocolate covered dates. I don't know what to tell you. I recommend it. <laughs> so speaking, yeah. So speaking of things, I don't know how to tell you. This is, uh, I don't know how to tell you that you've listened to a whole episode of Software Defined Talk. If you've enjoyed this episode, uh, you should join our Slack channel. You should go to all of your friends, open up their phone, subscribe us to it. Just open up their podcast app. That's probably what they have if you're stealing their phone and they don't know it. And uh, <laughs> subscribe to Software Defined Talk download it they don't have to listen to it and uh, they'll enjoy it and with that we'll see everyone next time bye bye goodbye brian asks uh what's the deal with the cheesecake factory i don't know what the deal is with the cheesecake factory i don't understand the menu and i'm always shocked how popular a restaurant it is so i don't know i have no no take on the cheese cheesecake factory cote do you i have only been there once like but you I saw the like- menu Right, you're like 15 years ago. Like you, do you remember when they opened up in the Arboretum? Uh huh. Yes. Yep. And and like it was like this big. It's the only one deal. I've ever been to. Yeah. And so so Kim and I went there at some point after or before is before seeing a movie at the Arboretum at the Arbor Cinema. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the Arbor, and I don't know. Like I feel like. Here, here, here's another way of answering it. So, like, you know, of course, I subscribe to all the Kinji cooking things. Like, 
and Instagram. Well, I'm sure he's a big fan. And so at some point, he went, not at some point, like in the past week, he went to uh, Boca de Beppo and he was yeah. like, uh, I forget what, he had some good reason, but he was like, I wanted to go here to get a baseline for what um, uh, Carbonara is, right? And so mm-hmm. like, I like to come here when I've got a big party because I can always seat them. And so he sat down at the bar uh, and he, he was, he had his like GoPro strapped to his head. And he was eating the carbonara and he was like, well, I don't think this is actually a carbonara because it looks like it's it, like it, it tastes like it's based on like cream and uh, it's more of a like an Alfredo. And so like a carbonara, if you make it, it's actually just like it's very simple. It's basically just like pork, pork fat, pepper uh, and eggs. And you like you cook the pasta and you throw the eggs in after the pasta is warm and you kind of like like um, mix it around with the like the the like pork fat and the pork and yep. the eggs kind of cook no without scrambling right so there's no cheese or cream. However, it looks like it's creamy, and so he right. was like, uh, "This is not actually carbonara." But then what he said was, "But it's pretty good," <laughs> and I feel like that's the cheesecake factory. It's just like. Like you could have like a very honest someone who likes to eat food, like chef, like Kinji, go in there and be like, "I mean, this isn't real, but I like right. it." And yeah. so, like, I think that's what the deal with the Cheesecake Factory is. Well, I I, I think that's one of those things. Like um, a lot of kind of fast food, like this makes my taste buds happy, but I will feel gross. Right. It's it, 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 it's like my brain hurts, but my yes. stomach is very happy. Are we streaming?